Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on here. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us here today. Got a fabulous show. I want to just tell you what the, the this today's show is about, and then I'm going to fill you in on what we're going to be talking about with my very special guest, the tricky tentacles of toxic relationships. Say the, that 10 times fast, right? Yeah, they, that's it. <laughs> The Tricky Tentacles of Toxic Relationships. I love that. My special guest, you have already heard her, Sarah Kate Ramsey, joining me here today. Why is this topic important? You're going to hear about that. But you should know a little bit about people that show up and help other people in the middle of a toxic quagmire. It's almost as if you're watching RoboCop, the first RoboCop. And you see the toxicity of the chemical barrels just swarming all over your relationship. And yet, you don't know what to do. So why is it that someone like Sarah would come to the forefront and become a toxic relationship specialist, a life coach, NLP master practitioner, and helps women, yes, we do need this help. I'm telling you, ladies, we do need this. Help us navigate in and out of those relationships. Now, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be a partner. It could be a parent. And I will say this because this is an area that I discovered. It could be in your work scenario. What do you do? And there's so much more that we'll talk about with Sarah. Sarah, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you. Happy to be here again. Yes, we talked about on the last show. This is what we're going to talk about on the next one. So I'm excited to dive in. Well, let's talk about this because, you know, it's interesting how you and I and others get on a pathway, a life path to really explore. And Along the way, we see scenarios either in our own lives or we watch people or loved ones and we think about what we see going on with them that is so much a reflection of what we've gone through. And it's almost as if we want to tap them on the shoulder and say, let me help you. I've been there. Let me help you. What is it about this topic that has never been more relevant than it is in today's world? Oh, so many things. Um, I'm very fortunate on my podcast, Toxic Person Proof, which you can find on the Transformation Talk Radio, to interview experts in this space all over the world. And there's things very consistently they are saying the same, which is there are toxic people, you know them, and it's getting worse, right? Um, and there's lots of links to that. It could be that we're parenting differently. Our, our children are more the center of our world 
than they used to be, which there's good things about that. And then there's bad things. Cause at what point do my children expire? <laughs> right? Their, their energy, their hobbies, their interests, their rest is important now, but it will no longer be important when they're moms or dads. Like, you know, there's something off and we're, we're creating more selfish relationships than we used to. So it becomes irrelevant at age 14. I'm just saying they don't even have to become moms or dads. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's a phase that we go through. And the reason I bring that up is because, you know, fast forward to where we are today. And I would love for you to talk about this. Look, back in the day, there was this long life we had with our parents Mm -hmm. there was this way that we grew up and this is not that long ago there was this way that we grew up where we were not attached to the outside world if we Mm -hmm. wanted to hang out with our friends we would get out and go see our friends if we wanted to do something at the movies go to the movies now people are listening to this and saying like what planet are you from realistically in historical terms that was not that long ago. That yeah. was not many generations ago. So how have we adjusted to this? And what blueprint was there for us to be in abundantly cool relationships? Where was that for us? So Dr. Pat, what's funny that you don't know about me is that I did my master's thesis on screen time and children. Oh boy. Right? Yes. <laughs> so- <laughs> Can you share? Can you you share a little bit of what you found? Would you? Oh, you're talking about all my favorite things now. Toxic people and the TV. Well, if you you think about when I grew up, okay, um, I listened to what my dad wanted to on the radio and I had practice not getting my way. I can't remember my mother ever saying, what would you like for dinner? She asked my father. And the the two of them as adults decided, and then we just made the best of it. So think about all the years of practice you have of not getting your way. Mm. That's a good thing. Yeah. Right? Now, kids can put earbuds on and listen to what they want to in the car. They don't have to listen to their parents' music. Or they go out to eat, and they get what they want for dinner. And I, I do take my kids out to eat. I'm definitely not... You know, it's just a different world and it's creating more selfish humans. You know, I got to ask you about this because there are two sides to every coin. I, I don't care what you're doing right now. I don't care if you're like watching television, watching the news, you have an opinion. Of, there's two sides. My mom used to say this all the time to us girls before my brother came along. Three girls, four girls, actually. And she would say, listen, honey, there are two sides to every coin. Mm-hmm. You just looking at one side you better watch your back because the other one's going to creep up on you. We never knew what she was talking about. She would just say stuff like that, like 24 seven. And we would just look at each other like mom has lost it again, but she didn't lose it again. And I think what we're talking about is here we are. Do we know Sarah, Mm -hmm. whether or not we're contributing? And I'm just saying as adults, we'll talk about kids in a minute. But do we know now, do we have a blueprint to self-monitor whether or not we are contributors to toxicity or neutralizers? Ooh, gosh, such a good question. Uh, One thing you can do is make sure this is not people's (laughs) 
you know, vision of you. This is not your child's experience of you. This is not your friend's experience of you because empathy is created. I mean, Dr. Pat, if I said, I, we, we talked about how we had matching black jackets before today, we went yeah. on there. Yeah, looking good, right? <laughs> and if I said, I hate your black jacket, it's the ugliest black jacket I've ever seen. I could see in your eyes that hurt you. And I would learn as a human connection, oh, I probably shouldn't hurt her feelings. But if you text it, or internet troll it, right? You don't see the hurt in the other person's eyes that teaches you, you should behave better. So we're losing that empathy. And, you know, I had a, an interview with you today. I know we're in two separate sides of the country. Yeah. I spoke to someone in Chicago this morning um, and I had an interview with someone in London today, you know, for my podcast. And there's wonderful things technology brings to us. Yeah. That's a gift. I have friends in Singapore I've never met. That's so cool. I could never have imagined that as a kid. And we're getting too much of that in our world. Yeah. Right. We're losing that human connection. And it's going to be interesting, the social results of the quarantine on kids from this. I am wondering what decade we'll actually get that information. And the reason I say I'm wondering what decade is because you and I know when you, when you do a study, when you really look at that landscape, you have to find as many objective parties as you can. So what's happening with that study at the moment, according to a friend of mine, right, I'm not going to even disclose her school because uh, it's, a, it's a brand new study, but it, it's a school in California, I will say that. Um, and they are finding that the people, in order for them to get a relevant sample, it's extremely difficult. So they're having to look at the impact of this in different groups, different uh, uh, socioeconomic groups, right? So we may get information about this from groups, about groups of children that didn't have to walk three miles to go watch, do their schoolwork. We'll get information about, about kids that have the tools in front of them. But even with that scenario, it will be very telling. What do you think? I think it's gonna be amazingly telling. And what's interesting is teen deaths and teen drug use and some of those things are on the decline, which makes it seem like, oh, that's amazing. But what we're learning is kids are not taking chances and breaking away and being independent adults in the same way that they're, they're afraid to get their license. Yeah. Oh, the flip side of what you just said, and this is a, this is probably another show we'll do is the flip side of that is adult drug and alcohol use has never yes. been higher. Um, yes. The degree by which people are consuming alcohol and purchasing alcohol. Um, I, I often wonder when they're doing all that, especially given how busy they are. But let's talk about the, the end game for why we're discussing this is toxicity. Now, there's toxicity that individuals have, and we know that we've got some healing to do. But 99.9% .9 of the time, it is in relationship to another. When you talk about toxic relationships, how do you describe that landscape Tell me what that looks like. Let's have a picture for our listeners of what it looks like. Because if you're in it, you don't know you're in it. You don't know you're in the middle of it. But 
give us your experience of what you've discovered people are going through. The biggest thing to point out is the pattern of behavior. We all have bad days. We all lose our temper. We all say things we shouldn't. We all maybe ignore people when we shouldn't, right? But if there's a consistent pattern of um, always use sabotaging, you know, events for you, um, not to always them blaming you for everything. I call it blame shifting, right? So it's like, whatever happens, it's always your fault. Um, really, too, thinking about who's making the rules of the relationship. Very often, one person makes the rules, one person breaks the rules, and one person enforces the rules. And it's the other person's job to follow the rules. Mm -hmm. Now, this can be with young people, too. We think about that in a romantic partnership. But if a teenager uses their anger, well, I can't tell him he can't stay out late because then he gets mad at me. They are using their anger to control you. Yeah. Right? And it happens so, doesn't it happen so easily, right? Let, let, let's just do a little quick demonstration, right? You know, here we are, and you're an empowered person. And you're coming to the table and you're looking at me and there's something that I've done to offend you or something I've said, you know, to, to really get at your core, at your heart. And it could be a flippant saying or something that just in passing that totally discounts you. The minute you say something and feedback, and this shows up now more often than not, any, anything you'd say to me, like, give me an example. Right. If I said something to give you a little punch in the heart, what what might you say to me? Except, <laughs> never mind. What might you say? Yeah, to me? I mean, so something along the lines of, "I'm sorry, your feelings were hurt." Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or so it, the problem is that you got upset and you're too sensitive. Not what I did. That's right. Or by the way. I can't do anything right, Sarah, no matter what I do or how I say it. You know, it's always me. It's always me. You know, mm -hmm. I can't get this right. I can't do that right. I call you know, that have I ever the been able to say anything that doesn't bother you? And then all of a sudden we have forgotten why we were hurt to begin with. But, but that's a distraction technique, right? Yes, so is. when I'm talking about navigating a conversation with a toxic person, I ask, what problem are you trying to solve? Okay. And that's the only thing we can talk about. We're not going into the past. We're not talking about this or that, you know, they spin it out. They play that. You, you described a perfect spin game, right? So we're talking about everything except for what you asked them to do. And now I'll tell you the reason I bring it up is mm -hmm. it is systemic now, not just in our everyday relationships, but if you look at the pressure point meter where people are now being pointed to the pressure point, you know, there's this internal needle rehab. Everybody's different. Everybody has a different threshold for pain. We have a different threshold for stress. We have a different threshold for our feelings, right? We're, we're not like double gangers of each other. We're not that. And so it's different for everybody. But in general now, this meter, this threshold meter, the dial has moved in general across the board. We've lost our coping strategies in the midst of COVID, right? Oh my and so gosh. if your only coping strategy is alcohol, and it's a real, it's a 
it's a running joke among women. Like, oh, well, it's 10 a.m. I know I'm drinking, but I'm homeschooling, you know, and it becomes an, it's very socially accepted mm-hmm. way to cope. And I do want to have empathy and grace to say we've lost. I, I am an extrovert. I used to go out with friends to dinner and feel at home and feel safe among at the table. And I miss my friends. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I, I miss my people. Even something like dancing. I mean, yeah. I, I'm an introvert, but you know, there are some things I love to get out and do, you know, something like dancing, going dancing with your friends. I mean, even if it was once a week or whenever you could get there, the options are off the table. This morning I did something I never thought that I would ever do in my life. I never thought this. This is the world we're living in. And I was, I was in the middle of this ceremony this morning. And I thought, how did I get here? How did I get to the place where someone you love passes and you cannot be with your family? You cannot be in the church and you're watching something through Zoom. I mean, I, I, I had a moment where I know enough in this media, in this form, to get focused and stay with it. But I had a moment where I thought to myself, this is where we are. I want to ask you this question. Here we are, and we don't quite understand what toxic relationships, what the ripple effect are uh, of them are, And I would like to hear your perspective on it because you're living and breathing this, what the effect is and are there long-term and short-term? Because if you're having a moment, it's like a short-term. Like if you're going through something in your life and something happens and it's a short-term effect, that's not where we are. But I'd love for you to, to just share with us, what are you seeing on the landscape of this? And, and who's being affected and how who isn't being affected maybe even a better question you know that is a good one it's just so short term if you're in a short-term toxic situation my advice is to finish out the stress cycle okay so what that means is back in our ancestors there would be a lion that would come and we would run away from the lion and then our bodies would signal you are now safe Okay, so if there's a toxic person encounter at work, at the grocery store, you know, in your inbox, in your email, finish out that stress cycle. 10 jumping jacks, dusting yourself off, some body movement to say, I did something physically and now I'm safe. We all need to do that way more and finish out those stress cycles to avoid the little like plaque buildup on our teeth, right? It's like a little bitty buildup that eventually has long-term results. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So that's that's my short-term solution. That's much easier, right? (laughs) Than the long-term solutions, right? I love that you talked about those, Sarah, because the reason I love that you talked about that, because now I'm thinking about how we can literally take some of the longer things and look at these shorter term events, right? Um, but you're seeing this every day. All right. Long-term. Now I say long-term. I don't like know what I even mean by long-term right now. I mean, long-term used to mean something else, but I'm just like long-term. We don't know what long-term is right now. 
in chronic stress is very easily agreed upon a mess, right? It creates havoc, cancer. There's an amazing book called Your Body Keeps the Score. And it talks about, you know, the cellular. I, I was on a call with someone right before this. And it was like, the, our body holds those cellular pieces of stress, of trauma, of not feeling good enough. And we bring those reactions into our job interviews, into rejection and dating, into trying, you know, feeling unable to start over because we have learned helplessness from toxic relationships. Um, and it, I, I was on a podcast called crush it in sales. And it was about our toxic relationships costing you money. And when people work with me, they're always shocked at they get bonuses or they get raises or they get promotions, even during COVID. I'm going to promote myself there, even during COVID. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I, I laugh and I say, I'm not the success fairy. If all you're doing is spin cycling about toxic relationships in your life. And all of a sudden you realize you're a great person. Again, you connect with those strengths. Of course, you're making more money. This is not rocket scientists. I mean, yeah. of course you're making more money. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, and, and I want to uh, talk about this too, when we come back from break is there are some people and I have a friend who is one of the top salespeople I think I'll ever meet. And I remember going through 2007, eight, nine, if anybody remembers those years, which we thought by the way, would never end. We oh, really yeah. thought that would never end. Mm -hmm. You know, we never thought that you know, a new president and vice president come in, be able to do anything with any of that stuff. I mean, none of us really did. More people were unemployed and listening to the show than ever before. Never thought it would end. And, you know, part of this was, I remember asking my friend during that period, I would say to him, hey, what, what are you doing? You know, the economy, how are you doing? You know, how are you doing? Right? Number one, New York City guy. What, what, what economy? And I thought maybe he didn't hear me, right? And I'm like, well, you know, like, how are you doing? The economy, people with the jobs, yes. they're not getting the jobs. And he's like, what are you talking about? What economy? And then the third time I go through the same thing. Now I'm taking five minutes to explain the economy, right? And he just says, I don't know what you're talking about. And then the light bulb went on. Never in his radar. Never thought about it, never looked at it. You know, and I want to ask you this. What is it that some people have? What do we, what can we learn, Sarah, to navigate above whatever it is going on? He's not in denial. Now, when I talked to him later, he made some adjustments, FYI, just saying. But he did something extraordinary. He never paid attention to this. He called businesses that he knew were really struggling. He even called CEOs that went out of business. He, he was on the phone 24-7 talking to people that he was never going to make a sale with. And I thought about him. Um, fast forward to three years later, who do you think these people called when it was all over? So how can we learn some things to not join the toxic relationship team? How do we not become part of that team? Your question is so perfect in regards to toxic relationships because what he did was believe in himself and trust himself in whatever life was going to give him. 
And toxic relationships teach you not to trust yourself. They teach you to trust the toxic person, for the toxic person to be the voice in your life, uh, for the toxic person's needs, wants, desires to be more important than yours. And then you're confused. What's going on? What's really happening? Why are they mad? And you stop trusting yourself. So then when something like 2008 happens, you feel helpless because you can't trust yourself and you don't trust yourself to show up for yourself. Yeah. And I, I love this because as I'm talking to him, I realize for myself that I wasn't really plugged in to the, 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 the story around the economy either. Mm. I mean, we launched our network in 2009. Ah. And so it's a fascinating way to move. Now, I got to tell you, the folks around me said, you're living, your head's in the sand, you're on another planet, you're not paying attention to what's going on in the world. When we come back, I want to talk to you about this. But before we go to break, look, I want everybody to know how they can listen to your podcast, Toxic Person Proof Podcast, Sarah King Ramsey, how they can work with you, how they can find out about you, how they can give your name to their bosses. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely check out my podcast on Transformation Talk Radio, um, Toxic Person Proof. And there is a book by the same name, written by me, of course, coming out in February. And uh, yeah, head to Sarah K. Ramsey, R-A-M-S-E-Y dot com or Google the word Toxic Person Proof. I'm the only one using it. So it's going to direct you right to me. And I'm assuming that is your book, and we're going to talk about that as well. When we come back from break, here's the thing I want us to all kind of talk about, and then I'm really kicking this whole conversation right back to Sarah. When we come back, the question really becomes, and this is important, a lot of conversations about narcissistic behavior, around narcissists, about narcissistic personality disorder. And I want to make a statement, and Sarah's going to take it from here when we come back. Not every toxic person, not every toxic relationship, not every toxic experience is from a narcissistic base. Now, that may be confusing, but it's going to be helpful when we come back. Let's take a short break. Sarah, Kate, Ramsey is in the house. We'll be right back. Learn how to lead a happier life on Miles to Go with Brittany Miles. How to lose to gain it all. Join Brittany every second and fourth Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Listen as coach and healer Brittany Miles share stories that teach you about surrender. For more information about Brittany, MilesToGoCoaching.com. The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens with Colette Marie Steffen is excited to welcome Karen Benton as a monthly guest host. Tune in on the third Wednesday of each month at 8 a.m. Pacific time to regain confidence and trust in your capacity to create change in your life, your health, your family, and your well-being. Karen Benton is a mother, nurse practitioner, certified body talk practitioner, Franklin Method instructor, and owner of Limitless Living, LLC. For more information about Karen, visit karenbenton.com. Message delivery by Lisa Ann. You can't make this stuff up. Tune in every first and third Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. 
Message Delivery is an inspirational show about the journey to enlightenment and spirituality. For more information or your own personal message delivery, visit angelmessages2u.com. That's angelmessages, the number two, the letter U, dot com. Tune into Three Things I've Learned with Susan Dolce every first and third Tuesday of the month at noon Pacific, 3 o'clock Eastern on Transformation Talk Radio. Join Susan and her guests as they share the stories that shift our souls about radical transformations, courageous breakthroughs, and life lessons. Three Things I've Learned with Susan Dolce. For more information, go to TransformationTalkRadio.com or visit Susan's website at SusanDolce.com. Imagine you are a ball of steel, smooth, small, and cool to the touch. Your life will soften you with fire. You will take hits that shape you. You will be forged into a powerful, purposeful work of art. Tune in to Forging a Life with Coach Christine Clark. Joining Dr. Pat Basile in a three-part series, Truths in the Creation of Katana, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Christine Clark, a gifted, engaging speaker and trainer who has forged her life in the fires of self-employment, will take you on a journey to exploring the internal, mental, and emotional blocks that stand between us and a life of significance through an analogy of the process of crafting a traditional Japanese sword or katana. For more information about Christine, visit sunglowtransformation.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back. If you have a question for Sarah, and look, we're talking about just about every toxic relationship that you can imagine. And we're going we're gonna to give you a couple of descriptions of what this might look like. It's, it, it's not what you think. You know, we think about toxic relationships as being under the oppressed relationship of somebody that really does have a narcissistic personality disorder, but that's not it. It doesn't always have to be that. You know, the tricky tentacles, as Sarah calls it, of toxic relationships and understand tentacles. You know, there's the tentacle where you could feel the octopus barely touching you. And then there are the tentacles when the octopus wraps itself all around you. Uh, Sarah K. Ramsey is in that. <laughs> Sarah, look, um, people can work with you. So let's just talk yeah. about that right at the gate. Yeah. Um, this is a gift you have to help people. Can you share with our audience how they can contact you? Because a lot of times we don't like to pick up the phone. We think, oh, this is silly. I don't have a great question. Talk to folks today that could use some help. So I run the Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship. I do Toxic Person Proof TV every Tuesday, uh, nine o'clock. Uh, Cali time and at 12 o'clock Eastern and five o'clock London and really delve into the missing gap. Okay. And as you mentioned before, we have an obsess, we are obsessively studying narcissism and I have never heard, I've never talked to a little girl. You may have, maybe our listeners have, but I've never talked to a little girl who said, you know what, when I grow up, my dream is to obsessively study narcissism. That is not, there is no happiness found in that. It is depressing. Every time you study it, it's frustrating and depressing. And it's, a, it's important, can be an important first step. If people feel like they've been gaslighted, manipulated, they've been really confused. And I, I, my, one of my goals is to get the conversation to study manipulation and control tactics. 
rather than a personality disorder or narcissistic personality disorder, right? And right now, that's the only label many people know to put on it. Yep. They were manipulative and controlling. So the research, when they Google it, they go to pages on narcissism, right? And uh, it's really a conversation around manipulation, around power dynamics, around control, around blame. That's a much truer focus than whether or not they have a personality disorder or not. Because if they do, it doesn't matter. You're not going to fix them. It's not helpful. Like, oh, I discovered he's a narcissist. That's horrible news. Right? That It's horrible news. It's, it is so horrible that when you have an inkling of it, you immediately discount it and move away from it. That's how horrible it is. Because um, Sandra L. Brown, she wrote Men Who Love, or Women Who Love Psychopaths, and she runs the Relational Harm Institute, okay? Fabulous, fabulous person. And she said, after working in all these years in pathology, we measure their progress in inches and their damage in miles. Actually, I think she said millimeters. I don't even think she gave them inches. I don't think she gave, I I was going to say, you know, she may have found a miracle, somebody that fits in the miracle category but there's yes, a reason yes. she says that though yeah all right and let's talk about the reason for saying that because it really points to at least one of the things that i know you help people with is my favorite expression i say it to linda all the time linda you cannot get grapefruit from a hardware store yeah yeah okay so i don't even know where i got that from you can't get it yet maybe someday you'll be able to get grapefruit from Home Depot, but not today. Not today. So what are we saying? We're saying, or at least what what my mentor said to me is, I, t- I have these people and I'll tell you, they got like, like when you ask a mentor a question and you don't understand that phrase and they say, you got to know when to hold them and you got to know when to yeah, fold them. For right? sure. I asked my mentor once, do you ever give me a whole sentence? Do you ever give me a sentence? But... <laughs> Isn't this part of it? We don't know that. We don't know when to hold them, when to fold them, because we can't see what you see. Help us right now. Help us right now. Be on the lookout. What are we on? What are we on the lookout for, Sarah? Oh, great question. And so much of my book is coming out in February, Toxic Person Proof, and it really is focusing on that piece of the conversation because right now there's a million red flags you can google but have you ever googled why we ignore the red flags Uh, if you ask a 13 year old girl for a list of red flags they could give them to you yeah they could yeah is that a guarantee that when they're 33 or 43 or 53 they're going to follow through on deciding on whether or not to be in a relationship, all kinds of types of relationships work for that person. Um, There was a situation, a horrible situation. Somebody had graduated from Ivy League school with a criminal behavior degree in the middle of COVID, okay? They wanted to get a job. They ended up getting a job as a nanny, okay? He ended up, she says, I think your child is a sociopath. That person, even the adult, ends up having all this criminal behavior. She had a criminal behavior degree from a Ivy League school, but she really wanted that job to work out. 
She was emotionally invested in that job working out. So she was willing to ignore red flags that she knew were red flags with her criminal behavior degree. Okay. So I, I really do want to move the conversation. We kind of put romantic relationships in its own category. Like, oh, if a woman puts up with bad behavior from a man, she's stupid. But if I put up with bad behavior from a boss, that's no problem. That's somehow it's different category. Can you and address this? Because I I'm think this too. is one of the greatest mm-hmm. gaps we have in, let me use my term, the salvation of ourselves and the reason I use that term is because if we don't understand those two things you just pointed out we are going to step in a crevasse that is so deep nobody will even know we've fallen in it do you remember we I remember hearing about Bill Cosby's antics right (laughs) and it was like oh no that couldn't be true he's so great I know him we all felt like we knew Bill Cosby and when the, the things first started coming out, we were like, oh, no, he sells pudding and has this perfect family life, right? It was very hard to accept that there was this hidden life. Jeffrey Epstein, um, you know, the there's just so many people in history. People met Hitler. Neville Chamberlain met Hitler and thought, no, he's fine. He's going to go through with what he says. <laughs> he was the prime minister of England, he is not a, he was not a dumb man. Nope. Right. And so when we start realizing there are toxic people and I know them, I need to watch out for them versus, oh, you're stupid for putting up with that behavior from a boyfriend. That never helps. Was, no, the, but then we start creating safety for ourselves. Yeah. We tell our kids to watch out for strangers, not to watch out for sociopaths. That's right. That's right. And up until recently, that term has rarely been used. Mm -hmm. And let me bring it to let me let me bring it to the forefront. And I'd like you to comment on it. In the circles that I walk around in, and especially with my um, with the research I've done, and I am one of those persons, when my family and friends heard what I studied for 10 years in school, (laughs) They looked at me like, that can't be. You are one of the most positive Mm -hmm. possibilities. Why would you study the consequence of broken promises for 10 years? Mm -hmm. It only takes one event in your life Mm -hmm. to say, I need to understand this more to help other people. It only takes one event. And to subconsciously, we create this. We create that need for safety in ourselves. Yep. Right. It's like, okay, now it's really hard to fool me. You know, I wanted to become toxic person proof. It's really hard to fool me. And that was a sense of, you know, in, in you like, okay, when people break promises, what happens? It's a sense of learning to protect yourself and then really wanting to protect others from the same thing that devastated you. I will admit this one thing to you, Sarah, openly on air. When I did it, everybody was excited about what what it was I was going to study. They don't call it broken promises. They got a big, long academic name that nobody can really even understand. Some kind of weird thing. If you looked at this, it was some kind of weird, the blah, blah, blah consequences of psychological contract betrayal and blah, blah. I mean, it's a really Uh long, it's broken promises. But I remember when I wanted to say it, I didn't even know it was a thing. But everybody around me got really excited about it. So what I thought was going to be one year in and out, go study it. 
it became a thing. And I became fascinated by hearing what people had to say. Here's what I want to ask you. Everyone right now has got that thing, that one thing maybe. For me, it was one thing that happened later in my life that was a reflection on a previous pattern. How can we help people stop for a minute and realize that they're going through that one thing? Whether it's that glass of wine you think you're going to reach for at 10 in the morning, or maybe it's a scenario where you thought you were going to go back to work, or maybe it's something else. Maybe you're watching there's something, there's that one thing that gives people a glimmer of what they're in the middle of. Where do we go with that one thing? So I have a phrase and it's get past the past, get real about the present and get serious about the future. And there is so much value to processing your early, earlier life, right? I am not insulting people who talk about evaluating what happened in your childhood. I'm not insulting in any way, but that's a place to visit, not a place to live. And we can get really sucked up in like, you know, there was one lady and she said, but why do you think I do that? Why do you think I do that? I said, does it matter? You know, you're doing it. You know, if you keep doing it, it's going to ruin your future. And this is someone, I'll preface this and say, she'd been in therapy and been in training programs for like seven or eight years, right? So at, at, at some point it was like, okay, move along, along little ducky. This wasn't someone <laughs> early in their journey that that would be a value to, right? But get real about the present. Where am I really? If I kept a calendar of my life, how many days would I mark miserable? Wow. And I had the, the fortunate and unfortunate um, experience of growing up as a pastor's child. So my entire life was very much on public view, right? I can't oh, yeah. imagine people not knowing, looking at you and wondering what was going on. And, and with my father, he, he's had a very, very strong moral reputation for 35, 40 years in the ministry. I don't, I don't know what it is at this point, I guess 40. Um, and he said, there's always somebody watching. And that has brought such value to my life in the way that it's like, okay, if I'm really in integrity, if there was a video camera on my life right now, what would people really think about me? What would they really see? If my life was a TV show, what would people see that I'm trying to ignore? Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is what I so love about your message because this pathway and this portal to really looking is the gateway to optimism and happiness. Let's talk about now, given we have this new set of awareness, how strong is it for us now to move from this level of awareness to what I call the gateway of happy times? Okay, I love the gateway happy times. Yes. We're not talking about this because you and I got nothing better to talk about. We're talking about it because we've been in it yeah. and we get to live amazing lives. So yeah. there is yes. happy times after this, aren't there? Absolutely. I call it designing a life you're excited about living, right? And once you get real about your present, you process the past, you do. Then you get real about the present and then you get serious about the future. And I'm always asking people, I, I use that for that term, what problem 
are you trying to solve when you're talking to a toxic person to keep them from going everywhere? But then I ask my clients and I ask myself, what problem are you trying to solve? And they're like, well, I, I get nervous about this. And I'm upset about this. And I get overwhelmed. I get this. It's like, well, no wonder you're walking in circles rather than walking forward. Because when I just asked what problem you were trying to solve, you went into a spin cycle and told me about 18 feelings. No, no wonder you can't take action on those. And sometimes, you know, there was a lady, uh, she, her ex was canceling health insurance for her son. Okay. This is a very serious problem. But when I said, what's going on? Oh, he's doing this. And I can't believe he's doing this. I'm so mad about this. And what's going to happen this. And I'm scared of this. And I said, what problem are you trying to solve? You know, and it narrowed down. She goes, I need my child to have health insurance. And I said, okay, that is something we can action. We can create an action plan to ensure. And she got it from the ex because I'm just that good, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, you know, she did get it from the ex. So it's the end of that story. And she worked around him rather than trying to work through him. And if I may throw this in, I see a lot of people after a toxic relationship and they think their only option is to like bring the hammer, right? It's like, I need to stand up for myself. And they try to go head to head and fight people who already like to fight. And if someone is good at fighting and you're not good at fighting and you've been a, you know, in people pleasing or a doormat or not stood up for yourself, thinking your only option is to start fighting head to head and bringing the hammer down is probably not going to work that well for you, nor does it feel good. And then the toxic person does the flip and says, well, look, that person's the problem. Look, they're causing trouble. So it's better to go around the problem when possible rather than thinking your only option is to go head to head. And and you can stand up for yourself. What problem are you trying to solve? Standing up for yourself is finding creative solutions to have your needs met and your children's needs met not getting better at fighting someone in your life. Yeah, I loved the metaphor that you just used, bringing the hammer down. Now, here's here's the deal. If you come from a family of carpenters and bricklayers like my uncles, right? And they are teaching you about the hammer and the nail. Here's what I learned about the hammer and the nail and that metaphor. When you get ready to bring the hammer down, on anything in your life. I don't care what it is you want to bring the hammer down. You absolutely need to make sure that you have the skill, the knowledge and the wherewithal to hit that nail on the head. Because if you don't, the pain that you experience from that is, is brutal. And I never forgot, again, this is one of mama's stories, but I never forgot that conversation with her and every time now I hammer something I'm pretty good I'm pretty good at carpentry and things like that but even as good as I am I'll have a moment where I'm not focused and in the moment I'm not focused I will somehow miss the nail and my finger will be the end but you see that's the way this is in what you're talking about yeah you know people that act in toxic I want to call it planned, governed, and meditated ways. People that are masters at toxicity, Mm -hmm. they're masters at it. You cannot show up 
and take that fight on as an amateur. That is one of the scariest moments of your life. How do I know? I know I've tried it. I bet you've tried it. Oh, I know. So we're talking about learning from our families. My dad would sing this song and he said, uh, mama, grab a hammer. There's a fly on baby's head. I did not know why he sang this song. It was obviously a joke, but it's this the craziest song, you know, but it's like, can you imagine if there was a fly on a baby's head? And your only tool in your emotional toolbox is the hammer. And you're using a hammer on a baby's head. Oh, my God. Terrific. That is a perfect example, though. And I want to ask you this. I know we got a few minutes left. First of all, I'm excited about your book. I can't wait. So let's let's go ahead and tell folks, number one, when the book's coming out. And also tell them where they can listen to your podcast, plug into everything you're talking about. Because if there was ever a time to get some help, it's now. We don't even know what we don't know about the toxicity we're standing in. So help people right now know how to get a hold of you and do some learning from you. And we don't know because we don't know how good life can be after. If That's you've right. been sitting in the suck for so long, it's hard to imagine the good stuff, right? So my book is coming out in February. I'm doing an online free summit, Toxic Person Proof Summit, which is going to be February 11th through the 15th, coinciding with my book launch. Um, and all the people you're hearing on the Toxic Person Proof podcast are going to be on there. I mean, my even the people like in the space, they, they check out my, my expert list and they're like, whoa, how did you connect all these people? And um, that's really my gift back to the world in this time, in this scary time, is that Toxic Person Proof Summit. We're talking dating, co-parenting, divorce, work, confidence, trauma, anything. It's so much more than just about toxic relationships, but it's about becoming your best self. Yeah. And when life can hasn't we been just, perfect. Sarah, can we just say for people, this doesn't have to be necessarily about love relationships. Please, because no, right yes, now, families, yes. brothers, sisters, they are annihilating each other right now. I call it a toxic person encounter in my book. And I very specifically did not use the term toxic relationships because we are doing ourselves, our children, and our future society a disservice when the only toxic relationships are worried about are between a man and a woman or a man and a man or woman, woman. Right. And it's like, okay, so those people are creating chaos at home. Guess what? They have jobs. Guess what? They are around your kids. Maybe they're your child's coach. Maybe whatever is happening, you know, they don't just like have this like hole that they live in and they just ruin their lovers' lives. That's, that's, we can do better than that. We are smarter than that. And within the book, I call it a toxic person encounter. So toxic person proof book coming out in February, toxic person proof summit coming out in February 11th. Uh, my website, sarahkramsey.com. If you Google the term toxic person proof, you're going to find me. Um, and people can reserve their seat. I just want to tell can. folks, if you go over there now um, and you get to register, right? And if you can't watch, you can sign up for the replay link. I just want to encourage folks to do this because you might be in a place right now where completely overwhelmed and the first thing that gets hit up are relationships. Mm-hmm. When we are in the pit, who do we lash out at? Yeah. You know, it's usually those closest to us. And I love 
that you're doing this. I wish more people would do what you're doing on this. I really do, Sarah. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm collecting them all and, and still learning from the best minds and the best spaces and people taking people who've been doing this for a few years and people doing this for 45 years and taking the greatest hits album of what everybody is saying to, because it is such an overwhelming topic Yep. And to make it as simple and streamlined and as, as accessible as possible so you can build momentum. I don't want healing to be a lifelong journey. I want growing to be a lifelong journey. Get yeah. healed and start growing. You know, it's funny. We learn different things along the way. One of the most interesting things I've been ever been asked when I talk about narcissistic personality, and I've done a bunch of shows about it, um, is I had somebody ask me, what happens, Pat, when you get an, a narcissistic ping pong partner I play table tennis what and I looked at them and I said narcissists play singles they don't play doubles yes! <laughs> and they just looked at me I mean and I and that is the way we're using the term because right. people are so using it but in the end this is something serious and toxic relationships have lifelong effects and what you're doing Sarah is helping people with a remedy that creates the most amazing life. So thank you for yes. doing that. I want to ask you again, give out your website. What's your personal message? What you want to leave us with today? Oh, there is hope. Gosh, there's such beauty. There's such beauty in life after this. And I say, start solving problems that have solutions. Changing someone's personality is a very bad problem to solve. It will leave you very frustrated for years and years and years. Creating a beautiful and better life for yourself is a wonderful problem to solve. It's a wonderful problem to solve and absolutely accessible to you. So check it out, sarahkramsey.com. Check out my podcast and be sure and like it and subscribe it and say, we love you, Sarah, on the, on the podcast stuff. And then check out my Facebook group finding love and success after a toxic relationship. And I love that you're doing the Facebook group because that's also a forum where people can communicate, ask others, get questions. And I think that's what we need now more than anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sarah K. Ramsey, everybody. I'm telling you, seriously, listen to the podcast. Uh, transformative and totally fun. Absolutely. That's right. All right. <laughs> Sarah, thank you so much for everything you're doing. Um, and again, let us know how we can support you. I hope you will come back once the book is out. We and will we do, chat soon, yeah. Got to do a deep dive into that book, folks. Sounds great. It, it, the beta group has said, I couldn't put it down. How did you make it funny and so thought-provoking? So the people who've already read it are giving it a two thumbs up. So looking, looking forward to it. Yeah. I really funny stories, really funny stories we could tell. Yeah. My boss used to bang his fist on the table until one day one of the employees put glue on the table where he generally bangs his fist. That is hilarious. Yeah. That was pretty funny. Sarah <laughs> K. Ramsey, I'm Dr. Pat. Have a great day. Another hour coming right up.